mine now. You belong to me. Today we are going to play a new fun game. Hello and welcome to the Twin Picks podcast. My name's Dan. My name's Nicole. This is our On The Water episode. We're going to be talking about Waterworld and the Perfect Storm. After, after that, Nicole, you're choosing the theme and we're going to pick our yeah. films to watch for the next episode. The final section is Stitch Up. I had to watch Fateful Findings and I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And then we announce the results of the poll next week. Or no, we announce them this week, but it's for next week's poll. Next yeah. week's review. Fuck it, I don't know what's going on. That'll do. I'm not doing that <laughs> intro again. <laughs> before <laughs> before uh, we get to any of that, we um, talk about anything we want. I've been very busy, but I don't have anything to talk about, anything exciting to talk about. You mean it's all confidential? Uh, yes and no, maybe. <laughs> all right, very cryptic. What about you? Have you? What have you been up to? Well, I've just told you my poo story, which I, I can't say on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk about it on the podcast, but you found it very funny. I almost shut myself hearing <laughs> That would have been another poo story. It would have been a double poo story. We could have been telling that till the day we died. I've got a, I've got a really funny poo story, but I'm not going to share it online. God, we've already dragged this right down to the gutter, haven't we? Immediately. <laughs> it's my fault. It's my fault. That's all right. Oh, all right. So, yeah, I mean, apart from that wonderful story that I told you earlier... Um, I've not got much to update on other than my recently watched films, really. So this week, I've caught a few films. I watched The Summer of 84, which is like a throwback 80s horror type. It's fairly recent. It's like a throwback horror synthwave. It's all right. It's not bad. I watched a, a film called Mayhem, which is a, a pretty silly horror comedy set in an office block building. I had a lot of fun with that. Avengers Infinity War. K9. I watched K9, a film that I picked for our animals theme. Uh, then I watched Hatchets, The Fall, a film called The Boat, because of our On The Water theme, I decided to watch a oh, yeah. boat film. It was just on Amazon. It was just one of those movies we'll think you'll like. And it was just set on a boat and it had one dude in it. And he, he got on his fishing boat and he found this abandoned boat and he got on that boat. And then the boat just, he just stayed on the boat for the rest of the film. Got locked in the toilet for a bit. <laughs> More toilet talk. More toilet talk, yeah. <laughs> I wish that was me. I wish I'd got locked in a toilet. I tell you. Oh, God. The shame. Um, <laughs> last year, my goal was to watch 300 movies. And I did that. I watched 300, but I watched my 300th film on New Year's Eve. I timed it perfectly and I managed to watch Terminator 2, my 300th film last year. This year, I've hit 300 in October because of world shutdown. And... Um, <laughs> The other day I ordered, uh, I couldn't handle it anymore. I've been wanting to order it for ages, but I ordered Space Truckers on Blu-ray. It's a, a yeah. favourite of mine. It's a great <laughs> film. It's so good. I haven't seen it for years and I used to own it on VHS. So I've been really dying to get my hands on this Blu-ray and it finally arrived. So I made that my 300th film. So I managed to sit oh, down and watch cool. that yesterday. And it was glorious. It's just as much fun as I remember. It's, it's, it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's so cheesy. Dennis Hopper as, as a good guy in the 90s, which was a bit um, unusual. And uh, mm. another Dennis Hopper film, because Dennis Hopper was in Waterworld, which we're talking about a bit later. So I've been, yeah. I've been hoppering all over the place this week. I've been getting a lot of hopper inside me. Is that 300 films, including like rewatches, right? Yes, including rewatches. Yeah, I'm just making sure, I'm just making sure. 
this year the goal is to get to 365. 66? Yes. Sleepier this year. I'm up to 277 at the moment, and that's not rewatchers. But yeah, I watched I watch Space Truckers, and it's got Charles dancing it and, and killer robots and space pirates. Uh, also applicable to underwater in a way. It's pirates. Mm. Um, it's great. It's, and it's, it's got probably my, the favorite, my favorite piece of dialogue ever committed to film. And it's Dennis Hopper when he notices someone trying to steal his truck because they're space truckers. They drive trucks in space and they deliver <laughs> cargo. I don't know if you got that. But when he finds out that, um, <laughs> when he finds out that someone's trying to steal his, uh, his truck, he looks out the window and he says, look, some piece of garbage wrapped in human skin is trying to jack my load. That's a daily, that's a daily phrase. I think that, that's something you're going to yeah. use constantly. Imagine just being on a tube and then someone just like cuts in front of you to get out the door quicker than you. And you just say, oh, you piece of garbage wrapped in human skin. What are you fucking doing? They wouldn't know what to do with themselves, would they? <laughs> what? Yeah. What did you, what? <laughs> oh, what now? I don't know. I mean, I'd love it if someone said it to me. I'll use it when more often. <laughs> That's it, mate. So I've made it to 300. You're at 277. Oh, no. So it's clear who's winning that race. Oh. And the loser, the loser has to do the stitch up on the Christmas special. Oh, fuck. I need to catch up. <laughs> what? I don't have as much time as you because I've recently started working. I've worked for the past month now. So yeah. it's not like I can just sit at home watching films all the time. But. All right. All right. All right. I'm <laughs> my face in it. Um, is it is it my turn yet? <laughs> Your turn for what? To say what I've been watching. Yes. Oh, sorry. What have you been watching, Nicole? <laughs> um, I've watched two TV shows. They couldn't be more opposite to each other. Uh, the last one I watched was Emily in Paris. The only reason why I kind of enjoyed that series was the whole social media marketing base, how, how it is in, in this TV show. Otherwise, it's pretty cheesy and corny and whatever. And the other one I watched was Ratched. The one flew over the cuckoo's nest, uh, Nurse oh, yeah. Ratched. They, um, they got her, well, it's not her character, but I guess they got the character name from that movie and created this TV show. So about this uh, this guy who kills like four or five priests. It's pretty gory, but I quite enjoyed it. The first two episodes, I I couldn't get into it until like two, two three episodes in. They're the TV shows that I've watched. And how many episodes did you get through in total? Uh, so Emily in Paris was 10, and they were half an hour episodes. And... N- uh, Ratched was eight episodes and they were about an hour. Blimey, you could have watched like seven films in that time. <laughs> yeah, I know, I would have caught up to you by that point. But I watched, I think I watched 12 films, including the podcast films this week. So I watched both of the films that I chose for the podcast, which was Under the Arctic Sky and Kim Swims. Enola Holmes, that was all right. It was a bit... I think I would have enjoyed it if I was like a 10-year-old. This is the Millie Bobby Brown film, isn't it? That's and it, it. Is a, is it a, it's a feature, isn't it? Yes. And it's got Henry Cavill as mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes. Did you, what? Pardon? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> oh, babe. You said babe. What, Henry Cavill? Yeah, he's yeah. all right. He's a 
fucking enormous man, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a hunk of a human. Yeah. You want to talk anyway. about Henry Cavill a little bit more? You're done with Cavill, are you? No more Cavill talk. <laughs> I've, uh, I've moved on. What did you want to ask me about? Um, Henry Cavill? Yeah. Or <laughs> oh, just about either. Henry Cavill. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Oh, no, no, I just wanted—I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it because it's, it's Sherlock Holmes, isn't it? And it's a new—it's a new Netflix thing, and it seems like a, a new take on an old thing. And I'm just interested to see—I will probably never get around to watching it. Not my sort of thing, really. But was it different enough to the old Sherlock Holmes stuff, or, or you know, because it's more about Anola Holmes, right? Yeah, because her mum disappears, and she's trying to figure out where her mum's gone, and then her her two brothers come home. They're like, oh, you're not very ladylike, so we're going to send you to a prim and proper girl's school so you can find a husband because that's what happened back in the day. It's all about the women's revolution, which I guess if for a younger audience watching this, it's quite good on that aspect. Mm. Um, I, it was fine. I, As I said, if I was maybe 10 or 12, I think I would have enjoyed this film a lot more. I, like yeah. if I had... If I had kids or, like, my friends' kids were over and they wanted to watch it, 100% would sit down and watch it with them. But, yeah, it was it was all right. More sort of targeted to a younger audience by the sounds of it. Yeah. All right, I definitely won't watch it. But, you know, <laughs> it was um, worth that two-minute conversation to, to deduce that I'm not watching it. <laughs> Save me 90 minutes. Uh, no, I can't even sit you up with it because I'm pretty sure it goes over two hours. But it's probably too good for you to watch. Let me double-check. Yeah, it's just over the two-hour mark. I'll allow it. Oh, you allow it? Okay, I'll good, allow good it. to know. Maybe other films that are just over the two-hour mark. Only, like, the, only that like, one. Only that one. Bride, Bride and Prejudice, you're giving me grief. Which, it was still under. I went onto YouTube and it was just under. <laughs> you're never going to anyway. let that go, are you? I know. <laughs> I watched uh, the one that flew over the cuckoo's nest because of Ratched. The Rafa. The Breaker Operas, Vicky Cristina, but Barcelona, The Beach, The Song of the Sea, Toast, and Dallas Buyers Club was the last one I watched. Last. Oh, blimey, you smashed him in. Um, Dallas Buyers Club, I saw that on an aeroplane. That's Jared Leto's best film, isn't it? Yeah. Is it as good as Suicide Squad? I don't know. It's a tough choice. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Suicide Squad is. Is not yeah. as good as Dallas Buyers Club. Controversial opinion on the Twin Peaks podcast. Dallas Buyers Club is better than Suicide Squad. Absolutely. <laughs> Have you seen the one that flew over the cuckoo's nest? Yeah, once, a long time ago. I, I remember it being yeah. very good, but I don't remember an awful lot about it. It's, um, oh, what's, oh my God. The Shining Guy. Oh, fuck, what's his name again? The Shining oh. Guy. <laughs> Jack. It's Jack. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. Thank you very much. It's the nickel uh, master. It's the nickel back. How did you forget about him? I was just like, you can picture him. So he he's uh, committed some crimes and instead of him going to jail, he's been sent to psychiatric, but they think he's sane enough that he can go to jail. But yeah, it was good. I do love a classic. You do love a classic, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like a classic too. I like a classic sci-fi or a classic, classic horror I've Space Truckers, I would regard as a classic. Yeah. I think that's a classic. When did that come out? 80s? 1997, I think. Or 96. That's that's quite young. Well, I guess Cuckoo Nest, I think that was either 70s or 80s. 70s, I think. 
I want to say like 76 cuckoo's nest as a, as a... I want to say in my head, maybe 73. Let's see. Let's see. Alrighty. Oh, in between 75. You're close it? to it. Yeah, I'm close. It's not really in between. Like you said, I'm closer. So <laughs> I win, I win the glory and a hat. What, what, what did I say? If you go over, you lose. So technically I'm closer. Who says that? I've never heard that phrase in my life. If you go over, you lose. On Nova. <laughs> Nova 100. On what? What's that? <laughs> radio station. In Australia? Yeah. The, a radio station in Australia says that phrase that everyone knows. That yep. I've never heard of. Anyway. I can't go let's over. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, please. Let's, can we please move on? Let's do it. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> Should we move on to section two? Yes. Let's do that. Alrighty, let's move on to section two then. And we're going to be talking about Waterworld and the Perfect Storm as part of our on the water topic. And this topic was my thought brain. That's the phrase. Your thought brain? It's my thought brain. Yeah, oh, thought brain. Yeah, got it. That's how, that's how brain works today, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> as I chose it, I'm going to do a little intro, little. Sometimes it's a bit of research, sometimes it's something else. And this time, I didn't really know what I was going to talk about. Like I sort of chose a topic and then yesterday when I was sitting down to prepare the show, I thought, fuck, <laughs> what am I going to talk about? <laughs> what am I going to talk about? I was like, hmm, is he going to talk about speedos and budgie smugglers <laughs> and board shorts or something? Well, if I would have thought of it, not board shorts, not short shorts. If I'd have thought of it... <laughs> <laughs> If I'd thought of it, I definitely would have gone with Speedos. The history of Speedos. Oh, yeah. God. Can you think of anything worse? God. So I thought I would do what we always do when we can't think of anything else to talk about and just do a little quiz. Oh, so God. <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> of fun. It's going to fail drastically. It's a bit <laughs> of fun. So films that are shot on the water or made around the, the water, they're kind of notoriously difficult to make. They're expensive. They're really difficult to shoot. You have all sorts of problems that you don't get on land. And they're just very, very costly. So I started to look at the costs of films, obviously started with the two that we'll talk about later, Perfect Storm and Waterworld. But I started to look at budgets and costs of films and some of the other films that were shot on water and how much they cost. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I've got eight films and I'm going to give you the title I'm going to give you the budget for that film. And then you've right. got to tell me, you've got to tell me whether that budget was higher or lower than the budget for Justice League. <laughs> so, I've got okay, cool. so I'm going to give you the title. So the first one is Jaws. And the budget for okay. Jaws was $7 million. Is that higher or lower than the budget for Justice League? It's lower. It's got to be lower. Correct. Thank God. <laughs> the next one. The Perfect Storm. Higher or lower than Justice League at 120 million? It is higher? <clears throat> God, how much money does this? Oh, yeah, they would have because of bloody mustache, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Cavill's mustache. Right, I've just, as we're going through these, I've just noticed a massive flaw in my quiz plan, right? So yeah. my, initial, <laughs> my, my, my initial eight might be a, a lot less. So I'm just going to give you another okay. one, right? So Master and Commander, the Russell Crowe film, that cost $150 million. Is that lower Where? or higher than Justice League? Lower. Correct. Yes, good. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Budget for Waterworld was 175 million. Is that lower or higher than a budget for Justice League? I'm going to say higher. Incorrect. Wow. Fucking Incorrect. hell. Bloody Cavill's mustache was super expensive. No, I know. It's that facial hair. It's just glorious facial hair. It just takes so long to remove. Like diamond tweezers. Um, Titanic. This is the last one I'm going to give you, right? Titanic. The budget for Titanic was $200 million. And is that less or more than Justice League? It's, I'm going to say it's less. Incorrect. Justice League cost more than $200 million to make. Yeah, so I was right. No, you said less. Oh, so you said less. <laughs> you said less, didn't you? If you said less, then yeah, that's right. Well, that does, that does change things because um, out of five, you've got three right. Not too bad. That's not too bad. Now, do you want to know what the budget for Justice League was? Yeah, why not? It's exactly 300 million. Oh, wow. Fuck me. 300 million. How much did they profit off that film? On Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> you could buy a fucking country for that. You would be able to easily travel around Europe. If you, could, if you had $300 million, uh, it's a pretty safe bet that you could afford a round Europe backpacking trip, yes. <laughs> more, more than once. I, would in, yeah. I probably would go to Antarctica first because that is, will be the most expensive destination. Well, you should do it. Maybe, maybe try and get on a trip and then take a laptop with you so you can watch Justice League. <laughs> we'll do the podcast in, in Antarctica. Yeah, I can't see any issues with that. Uploading it might <laughs> we might have some issues. My laptop would be frozen shut. It won't even it won't even open. <laughs> it won't even be able to get it open to record. Let's talk about our film. Yes, let's move on to our film. So we've got uh, so we're talking about Waterworld and a Perfect Storm. Um, I've written down. I started with the Perfect Storm, and I've kind of made a few notes. And my page is open on the Perfect Storm. So should we start with that one? Uh, otherwise, there'll just be a, a paper ruffling noise that I'll have to edit edit out. So The Perfect Storm, it came out in 2000. It's 130 minutes long and it was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. The tagline on Letterboxd is, The storm is coming and the synopsis reads, In October 1991, a confluence of weather conditions combined to form a killer storm in the North Atlantic. Caught in a storm was the sword fishing boat Andrea Gale. Magnificent foreshadowing and anticipation filled this true life drama while minute details of the fishing boats their gear and uh, weather are juxtaposed with the sea adventure that was a terrible reading but i'm not doing it again so <laughs> it stars it stars george clooney as captain billy time a very curmudgeon boat fishing fishing captain he's in love with the sea he fucking loves the sea doesn't he anyway he's dead anyway yeah. let's spoilers i just spoiled the film i feel bad now he, he dies who knows if the other guys die we'll We'll reveal that a bit later. We'll, yeah, we'll reveal that at the end. Um, George, so George Clooney as Captain Billy Tyne, Mark Wahlberg as Bobby Shatford, Diane Lane as Christina Cotter, John C. Riley as Dale Murphy, but they call him Murp in the film because they've all got their little nicknames, haven't they? They, they love a nickname. Bill Fitchner, oh, William Fitchner's in it, and he's called Sully. Oh, I've got another one, Bob Gunton, and he plays a, a dude on a boat with his family who doesn't want to leave his boat um but i'm sure we'll get on to him or maybe we won't i don't know 
so Wolfgang Peterson, he um, he's directed a few other films of that I sort of recognise. I know Enemy Mine in the eighties. That's a, an old favourite of mine. Outbreak he did, which is about killer virus. I don't know if you've seen that. The monkey virus plague no. from the nineties. Uh, Air Force One and Das Boot. We spoke about the budget in uh, in our little quiz. The budget was one hundred twenty million for this film. And you can see why it's a water-based film, difficult to make. Box office was 329 million. Um, so it did, did really well. And it was nominated for a couple of Oscars, best visual effects and best sound mixing. And I have to say the visual effects might be the best part of this film for me. Storyline, not so much. No, I mean, yeah, I, I suppose we could, we should talk about the storyline now, really, shouldn't we? Because uh, yeah. we get it over in seconds, fishing boat goes into storm. Um, well, we, I mean, the thing is that, that struck me about this film is that I, I didn't realise until the end that it was based on a book. It was, I obviously knew it was based on a true story or, you know, about a group of fishermen, these group of guys that went out on a boat and they never returned. Um, I didn't find that out till the end. Oh, spoilers, we just bought it. We didn't wait till the end. They never returned. They all died. They all died at sea. Um, and it's based on the book, a book of the same name, which came out three years before this film in 1997. But what I was wondering is that it's all fiction, isn't it? It must all be fiction, because if they all died at sea, then all of the stories that happened on the boat, you know, like John C. Riley falling in the water and like the um, the beef that they had between uh, Sully and Merp and all of that stuff, that must all be made up. I wonder. They do have contact with other aerial uh, stations around their area. So maybe part of it mm. might. When was it? 1991. So telecommunications wasn't as good as it is today. Yeah, I guess they would. They make, make those stories up anyway to make it more dramatic and interesting to the visual eye. Yeah, you've always got to have some artistic license in these in these true stories to make it compelling and, and gripping and stuff. But yeah. it just struck me like that the whole, th- all of it, like all of the most, I guess the most used the term, most interesting parts to me on the boat was 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 the like the argument between Sully and Merp. It was that I wanted to see more of that. I wanted to see more of that. Um, and then when he went into the water and all of that stuff, and uh, you had a good a good chunk of build up to the storm and all of that into character stuff. I just thought, well, it's all fiction and I, I don't mind that. I'm not criticizing it for that at all. Yeah. I just, you know, it, it just, that I just have to remember that whenever I watch a film that says based on a true story, it's like, well, how, how much what's true here? Like they, they left on a boat and they didn't return. But like you say, they, they were in contact with other vessels and, and uh, rescue pilots and stuff like that. So it's possible that they could have pieced together some information and put together a picture based on these small nuggets of information, I guess. I saw on IMDb in real life, actually the Andrea Gale caught a fair bit of fish, but they still went out to sea. I guess they were just like, oh, you know, let's let's catch a bit more fish. So Mm. I guess them saying that, they didn't catch fish and, you know, it was disappointing and they want to make more money. That's like kind of making it more appealing to viewers maybe. I don't know. Was it necessary? Yeah, I think it was necessary in this case, to be honest, because uh, he needed a reason to go back on, out on the water. If the reason was just 
I just really fucking love being on the water. And <laughs> I, love, I love the fish. Yeah, I, th- I think I think you have to. I think you have to introduce something like that. Apart from the visual effects that I thought were great in this film, I really the cast was was really good, with the exception of, yeah. of Mark Wahlberg. But I think um, John C. Riley was was honestly the best character in this film. He had the son, Merp. He had the son and and the ex yeah. ex wife, and he, he and he's also the one that had a, the beef with Bill Fitchner's character, Sully. I think he had the most to do. Like he had the most interesting stuff going on. I think, mm. and Mark Wahlberg just really liked his girlfriend. This film goes for an hour um, and an hour and ten, hour and fifteen minutes until the storm hits. So you've got a big old chunk there, and you see various little stories dipping in and out of um, them catching fish. Oh, it's going great. We're catching loads of fish. Oh, no, now we're not catching any fish. But now we're catching fish again. But now we're not catching any more fish again. But now the ice machine's broken and we've got to go through the storm so the fish don't melt. So you got you had the, all of these various little bits of drama, which were which I, I, I really liked. And I was, start, I was starting to get bored thinking, when's the storm going to kick in? But when the storm does kick in, it does go for like 45 minutes and it's pretty relentless. So, and it's, mm. it's tiring. It's, ex- it's exhausting. So, I mean, I'm glad that they had all that build up because if it was just constant that, I would have been fucking knackered by the end of it. <laughs> what did you think of this one? It's funny because I, I remember watching this. I must have watched this when I was a teenager and I loved it when I, mm. back in the day. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it as much as I, I did ages ago. It was fine. It wasn't, but it just didn't, I, I wasn't, intrigued the whole way and it did go a bit longer a mm. bit too long i think it could have been cut down slightly yeah agreed i'd like to have seen some of those other side sequences like the other boats and stuff like that maybe cut some of that stuff down the rescue although i did enjoy the the, the pilot the, the helicopter rescue stuff where they're trying to refuel yeah. um with the plane and stuff i did enjoy all of that um it just maybe would have been a slightly different film and maybe more enjoyable for me if they would cut all of that stuff down and had a bit more character stuff on the boat with, with the guys what did you think of the fish in this film what did i think of the fish i thought their performances were, were great some really strong performances i think one of the fish actually i think it was the third fish was nominated for an oscar for fish of the year uh best on screen fishy performance um yeah great what, what did you think of them no i was just make i was going to make a comment that they were all artificial. They didn't use actual uh, real fish because Wolfgang is all about the environment. He didn't want to use um, real fish on the on the film, which you can tell. Well, you say that. I mean, I had, I didn't have a clue. It didn't even occur to Did me. You? I was no. In fact, I was watching the film thinking, "Oh, this looks so realistic. This must be real." And I had a little thought, like, "Oh, that's, that's a shame." All artificial. All, all fake. fakey fish. All fakey they were fish. Artificial. Your fish. Artificial. If you, <laughs> if you have some spare money and you would like to open a marine fish shop, there you go. You've got a name for it. Artificial. That's what I'll do with my 300 million as well. Get yeah, an artificial buy, fish please buy a, place. Please, please buy a tropical and or stroke marine fish shop and call yeah. it artificial. <laughs> but I, I tell you, my contribution would be one of those little plastic scuba divers that you put in a fish tank. But perfect storm. Um, I, I thought it was. I thought it was. 
all right. I, it, was, it was all about visual effects for me. I would like to have seen this on a big screen, but for me, it'd be like a one and done. I, I, I certainly don't think I'll, I'll probably watch this film again. Um, mm. But I appreciated more the effects and the, the stunt work and stuff like that. Um, seven, seven out of ten is a, is a generous kind of score for me. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the harsh one in this. I'm gonna give it. Well, it's not it's not that much off. It's, I'm gonna give it six point five out of ten. Yeah, it's only half a point off. It's pretty close. Yeah. We're pretty much yeah. in the same in the same place. I think it was pretty good. It was enjoyable enough, and and I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. So I think that's probably why I'm slightly higher than you is that I was expecting it to not be as that that great, and I got a little bit more from it than I was expecting. So well, yeah, expectations have a play play a. a big part in films for me. I've got a couple of little minor facts for you, right? So it wasn't shot on the water at all. Uh, we said it was green screen. There may have been some other, you know, establishing shots or whatever, but um, for the most part, the main cast were just locked in a, in a tank for two and a half, three months on a soundstage. Apparently they all threw up. They were all throwing up and being sick and vomiting over each other, except from Bill Fitchner, who says that he didn't throw up once. Yeah, but it was pretty grueling, apparently. Pretty, pretty hard, pretty harsh going. Because I've been throwing about and, you know, what was special. Yeah. You know, stressful, wasn't it? Yeah. I hope the catering was good to make up for it. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to Waterworld then. So Waterworld came out in 1995. It was directed by Kevin Reynolds. And it's, well, the theatrical release is 135 minutes long, right? But I watched a different different version. I watched a three-hour version that came, comes on the Blu-ray. Yeah. Did you watch it on Netflix? I did. Um, but I, I I read that the three-hour version is a better cut than the the shorter version that I watch. Would okay. you agree or not? Well, I haven't seen the shorter cut for a while, so I, I don't remember, to be honest. Um, but there's one particular scene where I could see how that's true, yes. So maybe. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The answer to your question is yes, in a very long-winded way. <laughs> cool. So the tagline is: "Beyond the horizon lies the secret to a new beginning." And the synopsis reads: "In a futuristic world where the polar ice caps have melted and made Earth a liquid planet, a beautiful barmaid rescues a mutant seafarer from a floating island prison. They escape along with her young child Enla and sail off aboard his ship." So the budget was 175 million or 235, including marketing. And the worldwide box office was 264 million. It stars Kevin Costner and Gene Triplehorn as Helen, Dennis Hopper as Deacon, and Tina Majorino as Enola. Enola. Another Enola. Enola. So I, I saw, that, saw Waterworld at the cinema in 1995. I saw it with my parents. I remember quite clearly the cinema I saw it at. Actually, funnily enough, the cinema that I saw it at closed not long after I saw Waterworld and was changed into a theatre about three or four years afterwards and I actually did my work experience there and I did the lighting for Bugsy Malone so uh, connections that's awesome mate yes little personal story there better than my poo story isn't it (laughs) I I really enjoyed that poo story I I do like that poo story good the very the very start of the film then so they got that that voiceover guy from the 90s who you know does the voiceover for the trailers and you know in a brave new world they got that guy at the start because the polar ice caps have melted and it's flooded the entire world 
I suppose that's the first conceit of the film, isn't it? It's uh, if the ice caps melt, it's not going to cover the entire planet. It's only going to raise water levels by about thirty feet, which which will still be a it'll still be a drag, but um, it ain't going to cover the world, and we're not going to need to recycle our urine. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll just do that for fun. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the first scene in the film, isn't it? Where we see Kevin Costner. Yes. Yeah, he's drinking his he's drinking his urine and he's got this like mechanical thing <laughs> that he pumps, he, he weighs in and then it comes out, he turns it into water. But apparently in, when, it, when it was first, first conceived in the original screenplay, the writer had envisioned that as being a more organic piece. Like he, he thought like you'd have a kidney in there and loads of like tubes. I was going to say fallopian tube, but I don't think that's what I meant to say at all. Fallopian tube, I think might be something completely different. What's a fallopian tube? It's probably near the pancreas. Anyway, so, uh, so yeah, so the writer expect the the writer was had a different idea for that. He wanted it to be a bit more organic, and it, it feels like the film was a bit different to how he first um, sort of saw it. As we discussed last week, it was meant to be Mad Max on water and it was exactly Mad Max on water that's exactly the film we got right. it just would yeah. have been a little bit different um if he'd have, if, if his vision had seen through to, to the end of the production but basically Kevin Costner is just this drifter isn't he he's a drifter and he's got this trimer around this awesome sailboat and no one's mm. seen anything like it and he is drifting around salvaging as much as he can going for a little swim growing his apples and t- eating fucking tomatoes and um he comes across this 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 atoll like this this community floaty floaty village we call it a floaty village the floaty village yeah. the, the village what floats and they've built a, like, a miniature sort of town on boats and they've tied them all together and it's it's a really good thing and that's that was a, obviously a real set uh, they built and, and paid for that whole set to be built which was the size of a football field apparently that's that done in hawaii they shot this all in hawaii didn't they yeah. I mean, we could just score it and then just talk about the making of the film. I mean, let's get into that. What, what did you, what, I'm curious to know what you think, because I, I really like this film. I enjoy it, but I can see its flaws. It was fine. I didn't, I didn't overly love it. It was a bit of fun. There's a weird, weird thing to enjoy about this film. I do kind of like their costume design. In, in my eyes, I, I saw that as, like it was just rubbish that they kind of sewn together. Maybe that's maybe an incorrect thing to say. No, it's exactly right. That's exactly what they wanted. They they okay, they cool. were that was the idea that they, they could only wear the clothes that they'd salvaged from other boats or vessels or whatever. Hmm. So they had parts of fish and you know beer can the the, the tie plastic beer can things that I don't know what they're called, but you know they had those sorts of things. I've um I've got one comment. What was with the 007 uh, soundtrack in this? It was after his eye had been uh, removed and then yep. the, they were like on a mission to plough forward and then all of a sudden there's like, like that typical uh, Bond music. I was like, oh, that's that, I think, yeah, and that, that put me off a little bit with this film. I was just like, oh. oh. I missed that. But you might be onto something there, mate, because this film was notoriously difficult to make, like throughout. Um, But one of the things is the the um, they didn't have long to to do the score, and Hans Zimmer had actually offered some of his library, some of his uh, samples, um, to try and get it over the line. So there may have been some. I I don't think he's ever scored Bond, but there may have been some other 
samples used from other films that you might you might have picked up on but i i really enjoy the score for this i think it's a it's it's always stuck in my head it was just that track it was just that track i just stood out for me i was like oh this is this is interesting bond bond score on waterworld And it was in the middle. It wasn't like at a really dramatic uh, point of the movie. I I got a lot of time for this film. Like you mentioned the costumes, and for me, yeah, it's about the costumes. It's about the sets. It's about the stunts. It's a proper popcorn film. I actually have seen it at cinema while eating popcorn, and I can assure you, it's a popcorn film. <laughs> if I if I did the set, if I was part of set design for this film, I would have had a lot of fun. I reckon. It would have been so much fun. It looked like the best job to work on from yeah. just just from what they did to, to create this film. Like the, the lengths yeah. that they went to. We mentioned that they shot in in Hawaii. So they had to get everything from where they, you know, so they bought the boats. So they bought two tri- trimarans for, mm-hmm. for Kevin Costner. They bought two of those because one is one a, a backup. They cost a million pounds each. But they had to get them. I think they bought them somewhere in Europe, but they had to get them from from there to Hawaii. So they disassembled them and they packed them away into a 747. But the place in Hawaii, Kona, I think it was called, their runway wasn't big enough to receive a, a 747 aircraft. Holy shit. <laughs> I know. So what they had to do is they had to extend the runway by a quarter of a mile um, so they could land the 747. Interesting. It's just, yeah, so the boat, between the boat and the atoll, just huge huge sets and apparently the villain's boat was was uh was a lot of green screen stuff they didn't actually have a physical boat for that because that was a big old thing as well wasn't it that big old liner thing they had so yeah i yeah. enjoy it for, for, for what it is i enjoy the sets and the stunts and all of that stuff and i can just sit down and have a good old time of it but also like i am watching the three hour cut which as you said it seems that people prefer the three hour cut to the theatrical cut yeah, I, I read that the three-hour cut was a lot better. So maybe that's why I'd, I didn't enjoy it as much. Maybe it was too much. It was cut out with the yeah. shorter version. I haven't really done any research to find out what was in the three-hour cut, but it's a big difference, 45 minutes difference or 40 minutes difference. Mm. So how does it end? How does your one end, the, the shorter version, two hours, 15? What was the very end scene? They, they arrived to land... Uh, Enola doesn't want him to leave, but he does, and he sets back off into the sea, and that's that's yeah. the end. In the Ulysses cut, there's about twenty minutes, fifteen twenty minutes on dry land at the end, and it sounds yeah. like it's kind of similar, but the main key difference being that uh, we find out that they're actually on Everest, being the highest point in the world. That's interesting because um, the map tattoo on Enola's back, which is a uh, Chinese traditional characters, the actual coordinates were exactly for Mount Everest. Oh, there you go. That's fascinating. That was always part of the script. So for whatever reason, I don't know why, it was cut out, but it was always intended to end on that bombshell. It was That was meant to be their Planet of the Apes moment, apparently, was how they describe it in the documentary. And it does make sense. I mean, why would you cut that out? That does seem like a pretty... And I I seem to remember as well, when I saw this at cinema, I seem to remember my dad and I having a discussion about it probably being somewhere like Everest, because it would be the highest Mm. point. So maybe it's not 100% necessary to, to explicitly state it, but... I do think it 
it makes it slightly more enjoyable because it's a popcorn film. You don't need any unanswered questions. You just need it all wrapped up nicely in a little bow. And there you go. Enjoy some, some jet skis and some explosions. I actually, I mean, just going back to the score, I actually wrote down a little note here. It just says swashbuckly score. So clearly I was enjoying it. I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Felt like Errol Flynn. I really enjoy it. It's an 8.5 out of 10 for me, just because of the, I was, it's probably more like an eight realistically, but because I rewatch it so often, it's a classic for me. I I can't give it a nine because it's not a nine, nine out of 10. It's just not, but I really watch it so much that it's in between that eight and a nine for me. And Dennis Hopper as a villain uh, and all of the production stories behind it. I just, I find it a really enjoyable film to watch. Kevin Costner put a fair bit of money into this film as well. I think he put like 23 mil into Did it. Did he? Yeah. They, and that's the thing is that they all went for it. They were all trying to make, I guess that's the same with all films, right? Everyone wants to make a good film. No one wants to make a terrible mm. film. Yeah, agreed. It's just like what went into it. All of the work, extending the runway, like you say, Costner put in his own money. He trained for months on a around to get, and just, and I just think that they, what we got, it's just its own thing. There's nothing quite like it for me. Uh, and it's just a classic and I can just rewatch it. So eight and a half. What about you? I'm going to give it a seven out of 10. That's not bad for Waterworld, the theatrical cut. You should watch the Ulysses cut. Three hour one. I wonder where I could get that. Well, it, when you come back to the UK, you can borrow my, my Blu-ray of it. How, how about that? Brilliant. You can dedicate That's three hours to watching Maybe next time we can do Waterworld again and I'll watch the theatrical cut and you watch the three hour cut. So, underwater films, done. Um, we need to move on to the next part where we're picking our films for next week. And as I chose the theme for this week, the choice is now going back to you. And you're, you need to let us know what you're going to choose and we'll then pick our films from there. So, what, what theme are you yeah. going for? Uh, I am choosing Friendships. Friends. Friends for life. Yeah, I mean, you, you said this to me on WhatsApp and I responded with three vomity face emojis. So that pretty much tells you what uh, my thoughts are on that. When you first, And then I gave you so many like different options. for like There's so many friendship films and quite good films. But yeah, there are. Most, I guess most, most films are about friendship. So. The chooser of the topic shall lay their choices down. Yeah, they'll go first. <laughs> short and sweet okay uh i know which one out of mine you're gonna get rid of just saying okay uh number one is ferris bueller's day off bueller bueller number two is gran torino the sausage king of chicago sorry sorry so was that gran torino gran torino yeah gran torino Clint okay. Eastwood. East Clintwood. Clint, Clinty, Clint, Clint. Oh, be careful and, how you say that. Yeah, I know, I was thinking Wait. that. I was like, oh. <laughs> Don't want to get tongue twisted there, do you? <laughs> say Clint 10 times in a row and see how it sounds. Clink, and, uh, and my final pick is Brightland. Frozen. Yeah. 
it's not something that I would pick, but it's a bit of a personal reason why I've put that on this week. So, Okay, are you ready for mine? I'm going to give you mine. Yes. Okay, my first pick. And very surprised that you didn't pick this, but I'm going to go for Booksmart. Oh, I, I have that in my honourable mentions. We can't honourably mention it now because I've already properly mentioned it. Right, my second pick, and they may or may not be friends. I don't know, but it's a group of women that do a thing together. So I'm assuming that they're mates. Uh, and it's called Hustlers. Mates, what do? Hustling. Yep. And my last pick is The Reef. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it is friendship, isn't it? Mates in the water plus sharks. Are you seriously going to put this film on until it, until we choose it? No, that, honestly, that's not what I was planning to do, but I just came oh. across it again. <laughs> and I was like, all right, would it be funny if I put it on again? So maybe, <laughs> I, will, I don't know. We'll see. It's the okay. third week in a row now. I'm sure it'll get on again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, it's the film that's been picked most for any any of our podcasts. Um, there's only a couple I've picked more than once. The Reef's now three, yeah. three, three times. Eight. Heat. Heat, I've chosen a couple of times, yeah. So we've picked all of our films now. And to recap, you chose Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Gran Torino and Frozen. And I chose Booksmart, Hustlers and The Reef. I mean, do you want me to pretend that I'm going to not knock out Frozen? Um, all the kids no. that w- listen to this podcast, mate, they would love to hear a <laughs> review on on Frozen. Uh, I ain't watching Frozen, mate. I sort of feel a little bit bad about it, but uh, no, Albert, it's fine. Al- Albert watched Frozen 2 some months back, so if you really want to hear a Frozen 2 review, go back and listen to that. I wouldn't advise children do that, though. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely not. Um, I'm, I might put myself in misery and actually watch Frozen 1 and 2. Okay, out of yours, I'm going to get rid of Reef just to, just to piss you off. <laughs> It's all right. It's all right. Like like we said before, like I can always just watch this film in real life. You know, it's nothing. You could, <laughs> or you could just put it on twenty times until I do decide that the reef should be. We should review it. Which is probably the route that I'll go down. Yeah. So to recap, then we've got left Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Gran Torino, and I've got left Booksmart and Hustlers. What's Ferris Bueller about, mate? Never heard of it. What a crock of shit. <laughs> Um, I'm not European. I don't plan on being European. So who gives a crap if they're socialists? Okay. <laughs> um, I'm not going to... Because originally I had The Breakfast Club. I prefer to watch Ferris Bueller over Breakfast Club. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Ferris Bueller. So he he just decides to take the day off with his mates. They take the Cameron's dad's car, don't they? They drive to Chicago yeah. and... They do a little, they're in a carnival and they go to the, the art gallery and it's just about bunking off for a day. And it's a bit of a classic one for this, me, me mate. I, I do like me a bit of Ferris Bueller. Me too. Gran Torino, this is uh, East Clintwood. What's, uh, is this the, the one where he's a, a, a grouchy old racist? I believe so, yeah. Have you, have you never watched Gran Torino? I, no, I've never actually seen Gran Torino. I've just heard about what? it. Oh my god, it's a it's a fantastic film. Uh, tagline is "Ever come across somebody you shouldn't have messed with?" And synopsis is: A widower, Walt Kowalski, is a grumpy, prejudiced, tough-minded, unhappy old Korean War veteran who can't get along with either his kids or his neighbors. His prized possession of a 1972 Grand Torino 
He keeps in mint condition. When his neighbor, Tayo, a young uh, teenager under pressure from his gang member cousin, tries to steal his Gran Torino, Walt sets out a reform of youth and takes steps to protect Tayo and his family from the gangs that invest their neighborhood. All right. Clint Eastwood loves his car, hates brown people. I think I've got enough information at the moment. Do you want to know all about Booksmart, that film that you've never heard of or seen before? Yeah, go go for it. I mean, the audience might not know what Booksmart is. That's true. They might not. So Booksmart, do you know what? I didn't even know that this was directed by Olivia Wilde until very recently, uh, but it was. It came out in 2019. It's 102 minutes long. Their tagline is getting straight A's, giving zero F's. Synopsis, two academic teenage superstars realise on the eve of their high school graduation that they should have worked less and played more. Determined to never fall short of their peers, the girls set out on a mission to cram four years of fun into one night. So they've been working their bollocks off all through school. Everyone else is going to get through, no problems. Um, and they've all had a good time and they're thinking, shit, well, we've got to have a great night to make up for have it. A bit and, of fun. Um, yeah. I remember one of them there is a, is a bit reluctant to go out on this night and they pull a Malala, so that happens. <laughs> you pull a Malala, you have to do it. Yeah, Malala. But it's great. And the two leads in this, I've got you know, Caitlin Dever as Amy and Beanie Feldstein as, as Molly. It's all about them, really. They're two characters. It's very, very funny. Lisa Kudrow and Will Forte, not in it while they're not in it an awful lot. They're, they're good as well as the parents. It's one of those that caught me off guard, really. I wasn't expecting too much from it, and then, but I found it pretty fucking hilarious. And my next choice was Hustlers, and also a film what came out in 2019. And it was directed by L- Lorraine, Laurent, Lorini, Lorraine Scafaria. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed um, it. <laughs> Short synopsis, a crew of savvy former strip club employees band together to turn the tables on their Wall Street clients. Cast, Constance Wu, Jennifer Lopez, Julia Stiles, Kiki Palmer. Cardi B's in it, very briefly. <laughs> what did you say? I was just um, looking on um, on uh, Letterboxd and just the first re- review that I read just says, uh, feminist, lesbian strippers, drugging and robbing Wall Street criminal dudes while giving Oscar-worthy performances is my favourite film genre. <laughs> I've wanted to watch this for a while, mate, um, truth be told, but I just haven't got around to it for for whatever reason. I think we've waffled on long enough. I think we can just probably knock it down to one film each now. Hmm. You go first, because I'm not 100% sure which one I'm going to choose. I know where I'm going to go. Um, it's pretty obvious. I, I tend to go t- towards the lighter films. I'm going for Ferris Bueller. And I'm knocking out Grand, Grand Torino. I'm knocking out Grand Torino. I think because you haven't seen Hustlers... I'm going to go Hustlers. You're going to keep Hustlers? Yeah. I'm intrigued to see what you think of this film. Next episode, then, will be our friendship double reel, and we'll be talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Hustlers. Don't ask me what I'm going to do for the for the information bit. I did wonder that. I thought, oh, should I test our friendship and see how well you know me? But that's just cruel. Oh, let's make it all about you, Nicole. Let's make it all about you. <laughs> Oh, all right. Ferris Bueller and Hustlers, you're, you've got to come up with a topic, so best of luck with that. Alrighty, honourable mentions. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, there's so many. If, we, if you go classic... Did you want to finish your Werther's original before you... Original? Honourable mentions? 
Yeah, you were eating a sweet, weren't you? What, what is that, a boiled sweet? <laughs> I was having chilli chocolate. Everyone stop, continue listening, but let's just wait for Nicole to finish her food. <laughs> Everyone stop, if you're driving, stop driving, pull over to the side of the road. If you're running, stop running. If you're working, stop working. Just, just all, everyone freeze and let's wait for Nicole to finish her chilli nuts. Movie drone. Who was it? Steve. Steve was very appreciative of us not eating on the podcast and now I, I've just started having a snack. He's going to fucking hate you. No, I'm going to be bloody put on the wall again. Wall of shame for eating yeah. food. We can only hope. <laughs> Please, God. Honourable mentions. Yes. <laughs> um, Breakfast Club, uh, Pretty in Pink, 16 Candles, Stand By Me. But stand, the thing was Stand By Me, I don't think it was on any streaming service. Cause that that's probably one of my favourite classic films. Have you seen it? Have you seen it before? Yeah, a long time ago when I was like, mm. I don't know, before ten was probably the last time I saw it. I always found it a bit depressing. It is quite depressing. Yeah. So I'll just I'll just say those for now. I, I I've got a couple. So first one is Bill and Ted: Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. I've never seen Bill and Ted. I'm not surprised. Twenty One Jump Street: Their mates were also policemen. Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I was. That would have been my honourable mentions. I'm. I'm actually surprised you didn't put that on the list. Yeah, I only didn't put it on because we did a Jim Carrey double a few a few episodes ago, a couple of months ago. So uh, I've got another Jim Carrey one here, The Cable Guy, because it's kind of a, a black comedy about Jim Carrey who really wants to be mates with with Matthew Broderick. Guest House Paradiso, which is the movie version of Bottom, which was a, a British sitcom in the 90s which is very stupid but i find it fucking hilarious it's just slapstick <laughs> stuff people vomiting on each other and all that sort of thing is great airheads rock oh, yeah. musicians take over a radio station with terrorist water pistol guns with chili sauce in i've got loads mate i'm not even halfway through yet uh i also had wayne's world dodgeball i recently bought out on blu-ray but it's not available on streaming so i couldn't pick it hot fuzz you watched that last week didn't you hot fuzz I did. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Oh, here we go. Star Trek 2. Also, I had Ferris Bueller, in case you didn't pick it. The Blues Brothers. And my last one is Rounders. Let's hear your stitch up review. Let's move on to the final section, number three, which is called Stitch Up, where one of us has to watch a terrible film based on the results of a poll that we announced in the last episode. And in the last one, I lost the poll. uh, And I had to watch Fateful Findings, which is a Neil Breen film. So, unfortunately... Please tell me you watched this film. Fuck off. It wasn't available, mate. I even just did a general Google search just to see if anywhere streamed it. No, nothing. Not a sausage. Nowhere. Nowhere to be found. So... Our backup plan is that we um, watch the other film. Honestly, I wish I'd watched Fateful Findings. I, I, I oh, really? I wanted, I wanted to watch it. And yeah, I, I've recently been sent a few other videos of um, some of his work and it looks like the room level's glorious. So I'm desperate to see it. And I was kind of gutted because Zombievers, it does sort of sound like something I might enjoy. But it's not. No. All right, so Zombievers, 2014. It was directed by Jordan Rubin. It's an hour and 21 minutes long. The best thing about this film is that it's short. So the very first scene, it's got a comedian in it, what is called Bill Burr. And he's quite a funny comedian. I quite, I quite like a bit of Bill Burr. But basically, he's just driving in this truck. And what happens is this deer appears out of nowhere and he hits the deer and a barrel of toxic wastes falls out of his truck and into the river and starts to pollute the local ecosystem. And 
Ah. And obviously it, it makes its way to the beavers. Bill Burr's spilt this toxic, toxic waste and then these three, three women are travelling to this cabin and they're going to have a little weekend sort of floating around on a, on a little raft in the river and stuff. But obviously the beavers interrupt that because zombie beavers. And one of them, one of the women uh, inexplicably just loses her bikini top. So she's just walking around with her, with her boobs out. The best thing about this film is the amount of times they say beaver. Did you count it? No, I got about half an hour in. And I realised I should have been doing a beaver count really. Yeah? But I, I wrote down some of, the, some of the phrasing that they used around the word beaver. So I, I want to start with, where are the beavers? It moves on to, there was a beaver. You wanted to find a beaver. We are all looking for beavers. Why did the beaver cross the road? Can we stop with the beaver jokes? There might be more beavers. Those things out there, they are not beavers. My, my, this is my favourite um, bit of dialogue in the whole film. We can't turn on each other now. That's what the beavers would want. <laughs> I found that very funny. Um, so the beavers trap them in this house. The beavers cut the telephone lines because they're clever zombie beavers. And that's it, mate. They have to get out of the house. And... They don't. They all die. The puppets are not very good in this, unfortunately. They do look a little bit like like a 90s kid show that was on CRTV. It was very sort of bodger and badger-esque. Not great. Not much fun. It bubbled along quickly. Well, it didn't actually, to be fair. It was a very short film. It had a short running time. It didn't bubble along quickly. It took me about two and a half hours to finish this film because I kept kept pausing it wow. one to make notes and then two just because i just anything else that was happening on my telephone was just infinitely more interesting than what was going on on the screen <laughs> so i just any sort of escape that i could dig my fingers into i, I did I, I i went for that opportunity mate because it was not a very fun film to watch it was a bit dull and a bit boring and i'm going to give it to just the two justice leagues for being a film that was made Actually, funny. The worst thing about this film was that it was made, but also that's why it gets two stars. Don't watch it on Beavers, mate. Yeah, I really wanted to hear a review on Fateful Findings. I'll just have to go to some garage sale and hope that someone's got it on DVD and send it. You imagine you go to a go to a, a garage sale. By the way, it's get it's garage garage. We say garage garage. garage. Yeah. Uh, we say garage. data as well, not not, not data. data. Um, <laughs> potato potato so yeah i mean if i if i went to a garage sale and i I found a copy of fateful findings on dvd I, I mean that would be fate there would be no other way to explain that let's make a promise if one of us finds this film we're both gonna watch it together and just fucking review it on the podcast <laughs> all right please tell us about the poll dan Alrighty, so the poll. Um, I put the poll on yesterday, and most vertical primate for you versus zombies for me. We had nine votes in total. It was even. It got even. It got to. It got to three all at one point, and then my mum voted for me to watch. Oh. zombies. What is your mum on Instagram? I need to follow her. <laughs> no. So I need to have a discussion with my mother. Um, and then, and then someone else voted, and it went to four all. All right, but there is a loser. The deciding vote, and I'm going to call her out on this because she screwed me over. It was Rosie from Gore Press. She voted for me to watch. Yes, thank you, Rosie. <laughs> I probably woke up my parents right now. It's almost midnight here. <laughs> yes. Oh, good. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers for that. 
Yeah, so Rosie was a deciding vote and she voted for me to watch Zombies. So I'll be watching Zombies. So two weeks in a row, Zombievers, then Zombies. Great. I'm just, just disappointed that no one's going to be watching Most Vertical Primate. If I can't find Zombies, I might have to. Oh, mate, you, you, it is on streaming service. I, I tr- triple checked. <laughs> All right. And the film that I'm choosing for you this week is definitely on streaming service. All right. Well, as we, we've approached that subject, why don't we go for it? Because it's your turn to choose first. It definitely is your turn to choose first. I watched this horrible film this week. I tend to, I tend to, and spoiler alert, it is a romantic film. Oh, um, but it's, it's called Romance on the Menu. Fuck off. Oh, I gave it one star on Letterboxd. Man, what, what owns restaurant? Um, entices woman with flavoursome menu. I won't. I won't go into detail because I want to make sure you actually watch this film. I might not lose. I might not lose. I'm choosing a film for you. What is called Birdemic? I've got this on on my list for you. Oh, brilliant! Well, <laughs> thou shall oh. now have to remove that film from said letterbox stitchy uppy listy list <laughs> because Dan has gotten to it first. Romance on a menu for me versus Birdemic for you. Uh, it's your turn to put on a poll. Mm-hmm. I'll put it on my Instagram. What Instagram is, <laughs> is that, Nicole? Where can we find this place to vote? I will probably put the poll on my Chica Nika at Instagram. Where can we find you, Dan? Oh, I'm on Instagram also at flick.face, but we've got our own page, which you mentioned earlier, uh, which is at Twin Picks Pod at Instagram or on Instagram. What do the children say? I don't know. Who cares? It's on the internet and we post things about our episodes and stuff. And uh, yeah, so if you listen to the show, please go and follow that page and uh, it would be, it'd be great. We'll give you a follow back maybe if you're not a psychopath. Um, <laughs> And if you want to email the show, you can email us at twinpixpod at gmail.com. Let us have yeah. any ideas for themes or, or movie picks that you want, to, you want to go for. Do you know what? what you know, yeah. um, we stopped everyone from getting on with their day when you were eating your, your chilli chocolate sweets. Mm. And we never said to carry on. So they're probably all still standing still or at the side of the road. So please, you know, carry on. Please carry on. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, please continue. Bloody hell. But uh, yeah, we should just say au revoir to Mr. Norris, shouldn't we? I guess that's the only thing left to do. Farewell, Norris. Farewell, Mr. Norris. Yeah, and we'll catch up with you next week, sir. Thanks for listening.